Hello there, and welcome back to Chatting Chipwise. Hard to believe we're already into episode five. I have really enjoyed doing these podcasts and getting to meet new individuals here at Central Michigan University and obviously knowing about them, but getting to hear a little bit more about their story has been pretty great. And I'm really excited about the two that we did this week. And if you're just joining us every couple of weeks, we release a new episode with one or two student athletes or support staff or coaches, assistants, whatever it is, um, just to get their story a little bit more about who they are on top of um, what sport they're competing in or what sport they're coaching or assisting in. So today, we got two fun ones. First off, Nate Mason is in his first year as the Central Michigan Football Equipment Manager. He took over for Mike McPike, who had done it for 18 years and Nate actually worked here at CMU as a student. He went to undergrad here, learned under uh, Mike, and then now has come back from uh, getting experience outside of Central Michigan and is taking over as the head equipment manager. Nate just started back in March, so it's been kind of a, a trial run for him as he runs the equipment on his own and um, handles all the student staff. So, you talk about a guy that is constantly working and always in the office, it's Nate Mason, and uh, he's an incredibly humble and helpful, positive individual. So I think you're really going to enjoy that interview coming up. And then we talk some Central Michigan men's golf. They just finished their fall season. Ari Jackman has been really fun to watch. He had a great season last year as he transferred in from uh, Grand Rapids CC, and now in his senior season, had a chance to compete at the U.S. Am, which is such a prestigious event, as you'll learn uh, listening to Ari, if you didn't already know. And he gets into golfing and his goals and how he got into golf. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. So hope you enjoy the two guests this week. And we will start with the first-year equipment manager. Here's Nate Mason. Welcome to the podcast. Is this your first time ever doing an, uh, an on-air podcast interview? Yes, sir, it is. This is my... First time I've really shared, you know, kind of on the air um, about what we do kind of behind the scenes and what it takes to really take care of a, a football team and a, a very strong uh, staff that we have upstairs. Well, you got a lot to share and we got a lot to get to because uh, people don't understand how much work goes in and how many hours you and the staff are putting in to make sure the football team each week is prepped for practice, is prepped for games. If the game's on the road, you got to get all the equipment and everything there. So let's first start, though. You just came back in March. Uh, your alma mater, you went to Central Michigan. Take us through that and what it was like to get that call and come back and now be the lead equipment manager here at CMU. You know, it was something that I would kind of always dreamed of, you know, as this being my dream job. Um, so when coach had called and said, Hey, you know, we got an opportunity to bring you back home and, you know, really kind of enforce the things that you've learned kind of throughout your, your travels through the equipment career. You know, I, I want you to lead our equipment room. And I knew exactly as soon as coach had said, you know, that it's go time. There was no second thoughts. You know, I, I had a plan, you know, of, kind of what I wanted to do as a student here, you know, and kind of enforce the things that Mike instilled in the equipment room as a student. You know, there was a lot of things that I kind of wasn't too sure of, you know, kind of 
being the head person at an FBS college, you know, where Furman was an FCS program that was very strong and I was able to, you know, kind of enforce, you know, an expectation of excellence in the equipment room. So being able to bring that back home to a, a university that, you know, I have so much pride in representing, you know, and taking care of these athletes, you know, it was was a no-brainer. What is it about Central Michigan that you love that, like you said, you, you went to school here and then you knew no-brainer to come back here. What do you love about this place? I think it really stems from the culture that we have um, here on campus. You know, our our administration, you know, across the street over on the academic side, our athletic staff over here, you know, over at Rose and here in the championship center, you know, they're they're great people. You know, that's one thing that, I really missed as I was going to these other places was the sense of home and the sense that someone was always there to kind of pick you up when you were down. You know, there's no one here that wants to see you fail. They only want to see you succeed. And, you know, being back home where I knew I was surrounded by people that wanted that to happen, it, it it's a very special place. And I think once these students and people get to Central, you know, they, they see exactly what we're talking about. There's so many things that go into a football team with support staff, coaches, the student athletes, everybody involved. Equipment manager is, is kind of a niche thing. So curious how you got into that and uh, when it kind of started for you that this is what you knew you wanted to do. You know, I played college football at Olivet College for a short time, um, and then the injury bug got me quickly. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do to get back on the field. Um, so I actually started as a cheerleader. Um, I figured if I could be the heartbeat of the fan base that kind of gets everyone excited, you know, that, that was what I wanted to do. And then I kind of explored kind of in the athletic field and realized that, you know, you can be an equipment manager and what that person does. And I contacted Mike and I said, hey, man, I'm I'm ready to do laundry. I'm ready to clean lockers. You know, I'll, I'll sweep the floor four times a day. You know, anything I can do to help this team be successful. And Mike had brought me in and we had a great base of student managers who really mentored me and helped me, you know, kind of establish, you know, my thoughts as an equipment manager from a student side. Um, and some of the things that I had learned from, you know, my student managers who are now in their own field doing equipment or, you know, taking care of intramural sports at, you know, a Division One school, you know, they had taught me so much. And it was just a family atmosphere that, you know, we all are working towards the same goal. You know, that was something that I enjoyed as a player and something that I enjoy as an equipment manager is we're all working towards a common goal. And you mentioned it being a, being a cheerleader. I mean, you got to be amped up, energetic, and you're cheering on the team, but it's all part of what goes into the football game. I mean, there's so many working parts. So cool that you got to kind of sense the spirit side, but also now helping out on the equipment side as well. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I think I'm, in the role as an equipment manager, kind of the, the cheerleader of the football team. <laughs> you know, I, I talk to these players on a day-to-day -day basis, 
you know, and I can tell their mood just from the way they walk, the way they talk and what they do, you know, and being that cheerleader for that player, you know, gives them that confidence and, you know, kind of lets them know that they're, they're doing a good job. You know, the coaches reinforce things throughout practice, but there's things in the locker room, you know, hey, man, I, I realize you got a clean locker. That's awesome. You know, or I appreciate you getting your stuff in on time. We're, we're happy to take care of you and contribute to what you're trying to do on and off the field. So cheerleading goes much further than just the sideline. Yep, and the Chippewas certainly they certainly need that need that encouragement. There's a there's a lot that goes into uh, getting ready for a game, competing in a game. There's ups and downs, obviously. You talked about uh, Mike McPike. He's the former equipment manager. He was here for 18 years. He's now slid over to uh, more of an athletics role uh, as the uh, assistant athletic director for facilities and event operations. What did you learn from him? Just to enjoy what you do every day. You know, you can't come to work and, you know, expect everything to go well on every front. You know, there's a lot of adversity that, you know, we had faced as students. And Mike, as a, a head equipment manager of the football team, and, you know, he he just taught me to value the work you do every day, you know, and always know that you're putting your very best forward, Um and letting the feet, the pieces fall into place. Um, he just instilled the, the always putting the team first. Um, and on an equipment side, you know that that's what we do. That's what our job is, on, on a day-to-day -day basis, making sure that player's taken care of. And there wasn't a single hour of the day that Mike didn't have the team as a priority. And that's something that I've always carried with me, and always something I thank him every day for is Mike thank you for taking the time to teach me the right way to take care of a team and take care of my managers and here you are in the Chippewa Champion Center you've got a beautiful equipment room downstairs you got everything and more you could need down there and it's I've been in there a couple times pretty organized I imagine that's part of it because you got so much equipment whether t-shirts or shoes or socks or whatever you got to be able to know where to find everything so I'm sure that's a big part of this yes it all it all starts with an Excel sheet. <laughs> um, we log everything in an Excel sheet the way that Mike had taught me how to do it as a student. Um, and we check in our orders just like we did back in 2014. Um, it keeps track of everything that we've ordered, everything that we have in, and what the, what the use is for that piece that we ordered. Um, we keep it organized very similar to the way Mike did. Um, so it it there's little pieces of Mike throughout the equipment room that I'm very thankful that I have because I work throughout the day through the space saver and I catch those little glimpses and I think, man, Mike's Mike's right here with me. I want you to take us through a week and that's first with practice and what you're doing to help them with practice, but also what you're doing on the day to day. And then I want to know about game days and, and how the equipment is being transferred um, and, and what you have to do. So as best you can, give us a behind-the-scenes peek at what goes into being the equipment manager here at CMU. So we'll start with a uh, typical Sunday. That's the day that we round everything up from our, our games. Um, so typically on Sundays, we'll wash really anywhere from 1,000 to 
2,200 pounds of laundry. Um, and those get transferred from washer to dryer. Um, and we get things checked in from the week before. Um, and with that, we also are getting our walkthrough shirts around, getting our game our game jerseys around for the upcoming week. Our practice jerseys are getting around that day. Um, so that kind of paves the way for a, an easy preparation for our upcoming game. Um, and then Monday, we have the guys come in. Uh, they'll typically do a walkthrough in the afternoon. Um, so we finish up any laundry and checking things in from the week before um, and really get the team gassed up for a walkthrough um, and making sure that their practice stuff, uh, practice helmets, you know, shoulder pads, everything is ready to go for a successful week. Um, and then we move on to Wednesday. That's when we – or Tuesday, rather. Um, Tuesday where we really start getting into that contact practice. Um, so that requires a full setup of the practice field. Um, all the sleds are out, uh, the pads, um, all of our ball bags, and that all of our practices are pretty much ran by our, our base of 14 student managers. Um, and they work aimlessly throughout the week to conquer these different tasks that we have. Um, and that takes us to a Wednesday, um, which is another contact practice. Um, the guys are still in their practice helmets. Um, and as we go through the week, those game helmets, we start tur turning the screws, getting them locked in for game time. So that way we know we have no errors on that front. Um, and then we start repacking Wednesday for our, our game. Um, for road games, we pack everything up in hampers. Uh, for our home games, we do the same thing so it's an easier distribution out in the locker room. Um, and for this team, we have pre-pre uh, loops. So we have an outfit that they wear before pregame, um, and they turn that in um, once they're done with that. And then we have a game loop that they'll wear uh, for pregame and the game. So we get all that packed up. We check our travel suits, travel shoes. Um, and usually Thursday is really our final touches. That's where we make any roster additions to our game trunks, um, add those extra loops, uniforms, um, and really making sure Friday is just a detailed day where it's just checking a box to make sure it's ready to go. Um, Friday, we get everything loaded up in the truck if we're going on a road game. I don't know the exact number on pounds that we carry, uh, but I do know a couple weeks ago when we traveled out to New York, um, we were hauling roughly about 36,000 pounds. Mm. So 36,000 pounds is a lot of moving weight when you get it on a truck, um, but it makes things a lot easier once you get to a destination to really make it a home game for the guys. Wow, that's a lot. And then you have the game day. I mean, again, somebody's driving the truck, um, and then you guys all get there, and then it's setting up shop like you are at a road game. I mean, all of the equipment to get out there. You've got the crates out there. You've got the waters. You've got uh, the Antonio Brown benches uh, that, that if you guys bring those. I mean, you guys get there on Friday. you got to get everything set up, and then the game happens. I mean, wow. Yeah, it's – I think game day for us really starts Friday night when we get there. Um, 
so we're setting up the shoulder pads, the jerseys, the loops, um, really getting our sidelines set up. Um, and one thing that has really been a major asset to us is those benches. Um, you had mentioned um, Antonio Brown had donated those, and we travel with those on the road uh, for every game. Um, and that has been a really, really strong point of helping us with our success on the road um, is our guys are never cold. You know, so setting up those benches, getting that locker room right, um, we call it kind of the the calm before the storm. Um, that's really that hour before the team gets there. You know, we're making sure all the jerseys don't have wrinkles, making sure loops are checked in, visors are wiped, um, decals are added, um, and then the team arrives, and then it's go time. That's when... Our guys can come up if, if they need a quarterback towel or if there was just something that we had missed um, as far as their visor. If there's just a little speck of dust, we go through and we re-clean stuff like that uh, because the little stuff does matter. Um, and we've seen that taking that extra step um, to make sure the players have absolutely everything uh, perfect for game day has really helped us throughout this season. Um, and we set it up the same way that we do in our home locker room uh, with the helmets facing the field, ready for battle. Um, and they can grab their jersey straight from the top, and it, it's no different than their routine that they do at home. And then for you during the game, I mean, you're kind of monitoring if there's any equipment issues. You're who they go over and, and see to help them out, correct? If they have any, you know, if a if – a, mouthpiece comes off or a chin strap rather I'd say comes off or something goes on there they have a pad issue I mean any of that stuff you're the guy that's helping them out right yes sir we try to run our sideline very much like a pit crew um, we try to take care of any situation assess it fix it and get them back on the field in roughly about 10 seconds um, and we kind of see that as if they're out for a single play you know, we can assess that and get them back on the field so they're not missing uh, a substantial amount of drive plays that could be a key play for us. You know, so if we can get those guys off the field, assess the situation, and back on the field the next play, our job's been done correctly. Do you get a ton of uh – uh a ton of great response to the truck because I feel like we have – one of the most iconic trucks, travel trucks, with the great hands out, the uniform. You've got the MAC championships on the truck. I mean, it really pops in my mind, the maroon and gold. So is that something constant that you're hearing about the feedback of how cool of a travel truck that we have? It, it really is. Um, I kind of think back to when we were at Notre Dame um, and we had backed the truck into that historic stadium and – one of their staff members had come up and said, this is one of the most beautiful trucks that we've had pull into our, our stadium. And there's a sense of pride with that. You know, we take very good care of our stuff. Um, we've kind of innovated the inside a little bit to really meet our needs. And, you know, it, it's a pride thing seeing that Chippewa on the side. We travel throughout the country with our truck. Um, so even when we went down to South Alabama, um, the truck was identified by, um, two or three of their highway patrol 
um, and gave them a police escort straight through Nashville. Um, so having a, a truck that people recognize and a truck that people, you know, can kind of associate with a team, you know, we're, we're happy to drive it. You know, we're, we're always getting honks, you know, as we're going down the road, you know, sometimes people don't like us, especially going through Oklahoma. <laughs> um, but there's, there's a lot of happy fans when they see the truck, you know, and seeing that outside of a, an away game, um, or seeing that outside of a, a rival stadium when we go down to, to Kalamazoo there, you know, it, it's another sense of home. You know, when we, when we bring the Chippewas on the road, you know, we, we expect every game to be a home game for us and we'll do absolutely anything to make that happen. How about all of the logging and just keeping track of what you need? Cause on top of just the uniforms and the gear it takes for games, you're getting polos, you're getting quarter zips, you're, you're fitting the coaches, you're fitting the support staff, you're fitting people in, in the athletic department, anybody connected with central Michigan. So how are you logging and keeping track of all of the stuff you need outside of just the football equipment? So we go back to that Excel sheet <laughs> um, with the, the hundreds of tabs that we have flowing on the bottom. Um, we have a profile set up for all of our coaches and players um, in that Excel sheet, and that has all their pant sizes, their shirt sizes, um, different things that they like for game day. Um, Coach Mack really enjoys wearing a, a crew sweatshirt for games um, that he's sported for a number of our games when it starts to get cold. Um, so that's something that we have in his profile that, hey, we need to make sure that that's packed. Um, but it makes it extremely easy for Daniel, who takes care of our, our coaches. Um, he's able to log everything as it's returned and issued out. Um, and he's able to track down if a coach is missing his shoes, you know, or different pieces are missing from the game day outfit. We know who to go to and we can get that ready to go for the following week. The cool thing that you and I can relate upon is the opportunities you get as students here at Central Michigan to go uh, get your hands-on experience. Uh, for me, it was broadcasting, obviously. For you, it was working in the equipment room. And now that continues. You mentioned it. You have 14 volunteers. You are the full-time equipment manager. And then you have students that are helping do all of this work. And they're working those late hours just like you. Tell us about your student crew and um, how much support they've provided you in your first year here back in Mount Pleasant. So, like you said, the 14 student managers that we have on staff um, are the, the heartbeat of that equipment room. Um, they're the ones that are working with these players day in and day out to make sure they have the correct stuff uh, for practice and for games. Um, we divide our managers up. Um, as far as coaches, players, and um, excess stuff as far as game day. So that way we have checks and balances on who we can go to um, if something needs to be changed or something needs to be altered throughout the week. Um, our students are assigned different tasks throughout practice to make sure we're not kind of crossing over. We have an offensive crew and a defensive crew. Um, with our, our most veteran manager being uh, his third year here on staff. Um, and it, it's very exciting that we have such a young crew. 
Um, and I think that's kind of helped with kind of moving forward throughout this season because uh, we're, we're all new. You know, we're all learning these different things to take care of this team, but we have the guys who have been here for three years and two years to really kind of fall back on. And, you know, what, what did Mike do as he was preparing for this game? You know, or what, what in our routine has changed that was more successful when you were a student, you know, before? You know, what, what can we do to make this an enjoyable place for you with the hours you are putting in? Um, we ended up filling out um, pieces of paper for all of our student managers so we could identify the birthday, you know, kind of what their likes and dislikes were. And I think that's really helped us connect with the managers on what really makes them happy and how to make this place home for them. Um, outside of their classes, you know, they're, they're in the equipment room every day. You know, they're, they're logging their full 20 hours a week um, and even donating their own time, you know, outside of those 20 hours. So it's, it's great to have selfless, you know, inspiring student managers who really see the goal that we're, we're trying to achieve here. And I think it's really important for you to be able to, you know, just walk the walk, right? I mean, you were in their same shoes before, and look, you've been ex been successful. You you Right out of school, you get a couple of NFL internships, working equipment, and then you went to Furman, as you mentioned, and now you're right back at CMU. So it's it's nice for them to be able to see, hey, Nate did some of these same things. He's a good person, one, to learn from, but two, to understand if we do that and stick on this hardworking, selfless pass, uh, this selfless path, we can hopefully uh, achieve the same things and have opportunities beyond our undergraduate degrees here at CMU. That is one of the goals that our student managers have kind of shared with me is they they want to follow in the same footprint that a lot of the student managers have done. You know, one thing that we really pride ourselves on here in the equipment room is we have a very good relationship with a lot of NFL teams to help you outside of your college experience here at Central. You know, once you learn and accomplish the things here, there's opportunities beyond CMU. You know, and we've had Riley Halligan, who spent some time down at Jacksonville um, and really learned a lot from George and Jimmy Luck down there, and he ended up on a, a team back here at home with Detroit, you know, and he's got an opportunity to really have some success in the field um, down there with them. Um, Luke Stein, who's one of our student managers from the fall, he ended up spending some time with the New York Jets um, this preseason and really enjoyed his time. And, you know, having those students share, you know, their wonderful experiences and, the cool things that they've done outside of CMU, you know, brings those students here so they can kind of do the same thing that they did. You mentioned the good relationships with the NFL. If you can share this, uh, you got a unique call from the Houston Texans recently because they needed a favor from you because of a past Chippewa. What happened? So I had received a call um, from one of their administrators at the Houston Texans and they requested J.J. Watt's old jersey. 
um, which was a New Balance jersey that um, we had wore back in 2007, 8, and I think 2009 was the last year of New Balance. Um, and we had got a jersey ready to roll, got it shipped down to Houston uh, so their defensive coordinator could wear J.J.'s Central Michigan jersey um, as he walked into to the stadium on game day. So that was the, the game that J.J.'s number was retired uh, there in Houston. So having some, some former Chippewas, you know, repping the brand down in Houston was, was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, to think that uh, they're reaching out to you to, to go back to J.J.'s roots before he went to Wisconsin and on to the NFL. He started as a tight end right here at Central Michigan. Take us through the decals on the helmets, and not just, I believe they're called the Ring of Fire decals on the back yep. that the players are earning. So take us through those and how those get implemented, but also the action Cs that are going on to the helmets each week. Is that something that you have to kind of – re-stick those on so they stay put week by week um, and same with the decals what's the process of getting the helmets ready so when we get our helmets ready the first thing we start with is checking the screws um, and making sure everything's tight and ready to go on the helmet so there is no malfunctions um, that's the important stuff I just want the the glamorous stuff <laughs> right um, but then we go into laying the action C on the side of the helmet um, the most identifiable part of our uniform um, so making sure that is on there correctly so it lays flat as the player wears the helmet um, is something that the the students really take a great attention to detail on and then we move on to the back of the helmet um, we have our state of Michigan with the action C inside of that um, we have the American flag above that and our Mac conference decal and then our ring of fire decals which have been added this year um and our players have been really receptive to it you know they're an award decal that they earn um from accomplishing some rigorous tasks for our games um and you can see that we've been putting in some work these past couple weeks to to earn those decals um and that's something that the student managers have really, you know, enjoyed putting on, um, going through and, you know, telling the guys, you know, hey, do you see the stickers we added? You know, mm. kind of that that reassurance of they're accomplishing some pretty cool stuff, you know. So putting those decals on every game day, um, you know, is just really cool to see that helmet grow, you know, as we have success throughout the season, you know, it's it's really cool and I, a great pat on the back to Healy Awards. Um, they were able to get us 5,000 decals um, in almost 24 hours uh, so we could start that up um, and get those decals on there. So, All right, how about the actual uniform? Is this, I mean, the process of picking out, I know Coach Mack is, is pretty traditional. Usually it's whites on the road and it's maroon and gold here at home but in terms of double checking with the opponent and what they're wearing and then knowing what you guys need to pack I mean how does that all go into what you know is is what the Chippewas are going to wear that game day so we start usually in December um, of the following year uh, to kind of review the uniforms that we wore 
and then we reconnect with the MAC conference in July to submit a uniform schedule if we would like to request to wear uh, a white uniform um, at home. Um, and then if we go on the road, you know, we typically have to be in that white or light color. Um, and at home, we're traditionally um, in that dark um, or maroon. Um, so that's something that we kind of set up before the season. Um, but as you go through, um, there's not not too much that changes. But if we wanted to change a uniform, we contact the MAC conference um, and then submit that request and wait for the, the confirmation from the opposing team. And if there are any like new parts of the uniform, like a specialty uniform, like earlier this year we saw the uh, Action C for Veterans Day, yep. uh, paying tribute to Veterans Day since the Chippewas don't have a home game on Veterans Day in November, we saw the red, white, and blue Action C. Um, and if we are to see any other specialty uniforms later this year and years future, is that something that you're always looking upon of, hey, we could try this potentially in the future? Or how does that decision get made that we might try something different? Uh, I do have a file on my computer that <laughs> has a lot of concepts on it. Um, this sounds more fun than the Excel sheet, by the way. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a little bit more fun. Um, and there's a lot of crazy ideas that we have in there um that sometimes never leave leave the printer um and just kind of trying to stick with our traditional maroon and gold uh but trying to figure out how to catch the eye of the audience or how to really set the chippewas apart um from what other teams are doing you know recruiting you know has become a consistent part of what we do you know so the more we can add that wow factor to our uniform, um, but still stick to the traditions of what we've always had um, is is really what we do um, with that concept drawing. Um, we we can mock up really anything, um, and it it's really cool to have that constant communication with Coach Mack about, you know, this is what we're going to wear this week. You know, we have – um, we plan on wearing gold pants, you know, this season. Um, so that'll be, you know, different things that him and I are constant communication of, you know, what's going to look best and how do we keep our team, you know, looking good on Saturday. And now as we get into midweek, um, how do we keep our team looking good throughout the week as we go and take on some pretty tough opponents? I imagine with him being a little bit more of a traditionalist when it comes to uniform, that if you see something you like and you go say, hey, we should try this, it might take a little convincing for Coach Mack, I'm guessing, since he likes to stick pretty regimented to home and away kits. Yes. Yeah. He <laughs> he definitely loves the maroon and gold um, and stands strongly with the, the tradition of Coach Dramedy uh, of champions wear gold. Um, so, and I – I think a gold uniform would be cool, but I don't know if going back to what we had previously is, is what we want to do. Um, we're, we're moving forward as far as the program and, you know, keeping our traditional maroon and gold. And I think we'll, we'll accomplish some really good stuff in those colors too. 
you could see the the smile on Nate's face. Like he's he's uh, concocting some sort of plans here in the future. So we're excited to see if we see different uniforms. It's kind of cool to know that you've got something to do behind it. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was the big thing with the the action C um, and the American flag was an idea that Mike had had um, when I was a student and. You know, I had talked to Coach Mack and kind of brought it to him and said, hey, what do you think about this? And he said, you know, I, I really like it. I think it's something that we should move forward with. Um, and it went from an idea on just a, a piece of paper to on our helmet and representing our our veterans and stuff on Veterans Day. I think that was really cool and the, the outpour of support that uh, we got from some of the players' families, you know, some some former players, you know, asking if they could could represent that decal, you know, what was pretty cool, you know. So and we're gaining more attention from our our alumni um, who have played here, you know. So that that's really cool that we're doing stuff that is now catching the eye um, of future Chippewas and and alumni of the university. I imagine that's got to be cool too, like the the individuals that will come back. You know, we just had homecoming and and taking you back in in the equipment room. You have jerseys in there like JJ Watt or or Dan Lefevre, I'm sure, or Frank Zombo or any of these like iconic names that have come through here, but to have those jerseys or to see those guys come back and maybe throw them some gear, uh, that's got to be pretty cool in terms of the nostalgia of what has built this program to where it is now. Yeah, it was really cool to have a conversation with the guys who had come back for homecoming, you know, and really sharing with them the effect that they have on, you know, the, the locker room and the coaches. You know, these players being able to connect and talk with these alumni who have had a lot of success, you know, is, is really cool. And having them in the equipment room, you know, talking about, I remember wearing that helmet or... You know, I remember, you know, the play I made in that helmet, you know, or the talking about the the beach bowl, you know, the different plays that the players had, you know, just the memories, you know, are, are pretty cool. When you pull out that uniform, you know, there there's an instant connection, you know, when you show KP a, a certain jersey, you know, he reverts back to, man, I remember this play. You know, or I remember, you know, that win. You know, there was a lot of a lot of things that were shared in the equipment room um, by our alumni that had come back, and they were very excited to to see the direction that we were going and the path we were continuing to stay on from when Mike was here. You know, there was a couple players who had come back from when Mike was first here. Um, and to bring them in the equipment room as the new equipment manager and kind of build that connection was was really special. Well, I tell you what, uh, in terms of us up in the radio booth, we very much appreciate Brock and I, the big numbers and the big names. You make our lives easy, so thank you so much for doing that. Of course. <laughs> Try and make it as easy on you as possible. Uh, let's wrap up with this. Um, your favorite moment or favorite thing in general about being the equipment manager 
here at CMU that you cherish every day or something that's happened that you've really enjoyed, even in your short time since taking over in March? I think the ability to put my own twist on the program um, has been my favorite part. You know, being in a place where everything had started and kind of being on the ground where the old facility used to be, um, there's certain times, you know, that I'll, I'll walk throughout the facility and just kind of remember what we used to have, you know, and walk out our locker room and kind of step on that piece of concrete and think, you know, I'd, as a student, I would have never imagined to be where I am now. You know, this facility that we have here to take care of our staff and our players, um, the ability to welcome you know, potential student managers into this great place. You know, there, there's so much pride here. There's so much that we've accomplished in the equipment room and we've accomplished on the field to get us to where we are. Um, there's, there's not a, ever been a day that I have thought, you know, there, there's got to be someplace better. You know, there, those thoughts were before, you know, when, when I wasn't here at home at Central. Um, but now that I'm here um, and I'm working with, you know, arguably one of the, the best staffs in the country, you know, I'd, I'm very grateful every day for who I get to work for and who I get to work with. You know, there's connections that I've built since being back that, you know, I'd, I can't thank enough people for bringing me back here to Central. You know, the, the memories that I have inside this stadium – you know, as a student, you know, coming back in 2019 and, you know, taking a 1-11 and 11 team all the way to a MAC championship, you know, the culture here at Central is moving in the right direction and being a part of that, you know, is is unmatched. You know, there's, there's so much good stuff going on here at Central and in this locker room and and these coaches' offices, and it it's a great place. You know, I never, never would think that there's a better place in Central Michigan. Well, and we appreciate all the hard work that you do. Uh, if, you, if you like the look of the Chippewas on game days, Nate and his staff, uh, a big part of the reason why, obviously, and Anytime I anytime I need something from Nate or I just want to check in, I know I can always find him down in the equipment room. Get some sleep, man. This kid works always. You're always, always working hard, and it seems like you're always in the office. So thanks for everything that you do and, and making those guys look good. Yes, of course. I thoroughly enjoy doing it, and I do it twice on Sunday anytime that it's needed. So thank you so much. All right, our next guest is Ari Jackman, a senior from Caledonia on the men's golf team. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to touch on different sports and, and different student athletes, and men's golf is so awesome. It's a program that just restarted a couple of years ago, and you transferred in to come to CMU. So when did this kind of become a thing that you knew about the program coming back here in Mount Pleasant, and you became interested to come up here yeah um it was kind of an interesting process um I was looking for a school and really was struggling to find um I wanted to play division one at a division one school and couldn't really find one that was interested and then 
Um, one of my teammates at GRCC actually mentioned something about the program coming back. I had no idea, um, and I reached out, and it was no more than a month, month or two later I was committed. So it was a pretty quick process, but it was it was perfect. And how do you like it up here in your first – I know you, you competed last year and now already a senior in your, in your final year. How are you enjoying it in Mount Pleasant? Yeah, it's going fast. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. I'm already a senior and, I mean, I have a semester left until I'm graduated. Um, but I've really enjoyed it. The team is awesome. Um, it's been a great group of guys, and we've really been building and getting better and better each week. So, yeah, it's been great. How have you, just in your time at CMU, gotten better on your game? Yeah, I've just become so much more consistent. Um, I think when I first came uh, to Central, I was I, I played good golf, but it was kind of inconsistent. It would be week in, and then a couple weeks later, I'd play well again. And I feel like this year, and even in the last spring, um, it was kind of week in and week out. I was starting to play better golf, and it really showed throughout the summer as well. Is there a consistent part of your game specifically, or is it just all around putting together good holes, putting together good rounds that you've been working on? I think I've just become kind of more well-rounded um, throughout my entire game. My ball striking's really improved, um, but as well as my short game and wedges, and it's kind of just everything, even the mental game, um, just become a much uh, more well-rounded player. If someone came and watched you play, what would you say is the strength of your game? I would say probably my ball striking. Um, you know, you, you kind of mentioned I have a unique swing. Um, we'll talk about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I feel like my ball striking is pretty good. I think I averaged 13 greens around this fall, which is above tour level. So, I mean, I'm not saying I'm better than anyone on the PGA Tour, but I'm just saying um, statistics-wise uh, my ball striking is there. So Yeah, it's a great strength of your game. No problem with that. All right, yeah, you brought it up. Um, let me throw a shout out to to Andy Snedden, men's golf SID. He he's a big golfer himself, and he said you got to ask Ari about his swing. So I know we're in a podcast and people can't see, but to the best of your ability, describe for us your swing. Yeah, um, <laughs> thanks Andy for bringing it up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I have a very outside takeaway. Um, it's kind of just what has worked for me over the past couple of years. Um, People always ask me, has it always been like that? No, it hasn't. Um, I used to have what I would consider to be a semi-normal swing, um, but it just never worked. Um, and this is what's worked best for me, so I don't plan on changing it. Um, I just plan on fine-tuning it to be better um, than, I mean, not really better, but just more consistent. Um, I still think there's parts of my swing that can be worked on and just be more consistent overall but overall I like what I do and I'll continue to do it so for people that haven't seen you play um compared to just the normal follow-through swing that you would see what what's different about yours like what what would we see what, what's different is the backswing okay. um I take it I take the club really far outside um but from the top and down through the follow-through everything's pretty normal um I mean I like to say it's as good as most so, yeah, it's more just on the backswing. Once I get to the top of the swing, you wouldn't be able to tell that it would be any different than anyone else. Any other people you've seen or any professionals that have a similar swing to what you have? A lot of people compare it to Jim Furyk or Matt Wolf. It's kind of just a quirky. Um, more compared to Matt Wolf, it's it's not very close at all, but just the uniqueness of it. Most people say Matt Wolf, but Jim Furyk as well is one I get all the time. Okay, fair enough. And when you, you said you hadn't had the swing all your life so when did you make the change to go with this it was I believe it was the winter of 2021 um I was just kind of working on things and I had always had this feel of wanting to shell out the club from the top but I had never been able to do it correctly and then I kind of just made this 
my swing is basically a loop. I take it outside and I drop it inside um, versus taking it straight back and straight through. So it's kind of just something that I created myself and fine-tuned myself. Um, and, yeah, it's basically just a big loop. So. And that would have been, what, right before you got to CMU that you changed it? Yeah, it was. Um, I believe it was, yeah, it was the winter before I came. So I played at GRCC um, for a semester with it. And then over the summer is really when I perfected it um, to the best of my ability. So Let's go back to young Ari Jackman. When did you get into golf? Yeah, I got into golf in high school. Um, started playing my freshman year and then just played on the high school team for two years. Didn't necessarily take it super seriously. Um, and then the summer of my junior year is when I played in like my first, like my tournament, like an individual event. Um, and that was really when I fell in love with like competing and wanting to win and do my best um, and just get better each day. So. Was there a moment that you felt like, hey, I, I'm pretty good at this game? I, and maybe it was that tournament, but w was there that sense of, hey, I, I'm competing with the guys that I'm playing with and Maybe there's something here. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was my second or third tournament playing as, like, an individual um, just in the summer. And I played with uh, two guys. I shot 72 even par in the first round. And I played with a kid named P.J. Maybank and August Mikoff in the second round. P.J.'s at Oklahoma playing golf right now. And August is at MSU. Just won the Michigan Amateur. And that was a moment where I realized, like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm good enough to compete with these guys. I just need to keep working on my game. Um, and I mean, they absolutely kicked my butt in the next round, but, uh, <laughs> it was, a uh, it was a moment where I kind of realized like, Hey, I know how good these guys are and I know that I can compete with them. So I'm not far away. Michigan is kind of a, a sneaky, good golf state in terms of great courses, whether you're down on, uh, in Metro Detroit or the more Northern you go. And, and it seems like there's a lot of talented golfers here as well. Yeah. I mean, the competition is awesome. Um, I, I have two teammates from Michigan and they know as well. Um, Jeff and Tyler, how hard it is to compete in the summers. Um, and I, I think it, it just makes us all better players is playing in all these events, whether it's east side, west side, up north, um, GAM, PGA. All the events are so good and the competition is so good that it just makes, you, it, it, makes it so hard to win, but um, it makes you want it so bad. Who would you learn the game of golf from or who helped you um, get into the game of golf? Yeah, I mean, my grandpa and dad kind of always took me out to golf when I was a kid, um, again, maybe once a year. And then my my dad, I would say, got me mainly into it in high school. He kind of said, hey, you should try out for the golf team. Um, and then from there, it's kind of been it's kind of been all me. Um, I mean, my dad comes to every single golf tournament he can. Um, he's my huge supporter of me. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of been my love for the game. Um, as much as my dad likes to come watch golf, he's maybe not the best golfer, but, uh, yeah. I was going to ask, uh, is he all right? Do you guys go out and just kind of have some fun rounds when you're not competing yourself, and obviously he's there watching? Yeah, I'd say, like, once a year, me, my dad, and my brother go out and play, um, and it's it's all just for fun. Um, I think once I started playing, like, my freshman year is when I started beating him. But, um, yeah, he he can get it around. Is your brother pretty good? No. <laughs> Him and my dad compete pretty well. Um, okay. But, yeah, we have a lot of fun. When we Maybe a team scramble against yeah, Ari when they go exactly. against you. Yeah. Uh, so there's got to be um, a, a course or a moment that you remember that you really cherish. And we'll get into a couple of, of big moments that you've had throughout your career. But is there is there a favorite course or a favorite hole or a thing that sticks out when you're looking back at your golf career to this point? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, I mean, as far as like a moment, I would say um, 
I won the Michigan Metal Play Tournament this summer. Um, so I, I'd say as far as like a moment, that's probably the best in my golf career. Um, and close behind that is making it to the United States Amateur. Um, you know, that was a big accomplishment for me. And uh, again, really sh showed myself even at this stage that I can still compete with, again, it's the best players in the world at this point. Um, but yeah, I'd say the Michigan Metal Play at Detroit Golf Club is probably the, my favorite moment and favorite course. What about that course do you like? It's just a, it, it's a prestigious course. I mean, they host the Rocket Mortgage Classic there um, on the PGA Tour, and just to play at the same place and same courses that the PGA Tour players play on, and to win there was awesome. Um, and I mean, I, again, you always like a course better when you play well. Um, but yeah, just to play well there was awesome. Yeah, it's got to be a, a cool feeling. And, and you led right in. I wanted to ask you about the, the USAM. I mean, just casually, casually as a, a guy that watches some golf, mostly I'm watching the majors and specifically Sundays. That's when it gets exciting for me. Um, you know, I wasn't as familiar with the USAM, but like you said, this this is a big deal. I mean, you're playing with the best golfers in the world. So take us through the qualifying round that I know you had to play, I think, in Allendale, yep. uh, and then how you found out that you were going to make it to the USAM and you qualified. Yeah, I mean, the USAM is the major of golf. It's the Masters, the U.S. Open of amateur golf. Um, and, yeah, I, I played my qualifier in Allendale at Grand Valley State's course, the Meadows. Um, and I ended up losing in a playoff. Um, I shot 71-67 and then lost in a playoff against uh, another Matt golfer, um, Palmer Yendrick, um, and then kind of sat and waited for a phone call or text. I knew I was fifth alternate in, in the world, um, so I knew I had a pretty good chance, but just didn't know if it would happen or not. Um, I was planning on going out to Colorado and sitting on site um, and hoping for a spot to open up there the week of the tournament but yeah I was I was playing a tournament the weekend before the USAM and got a phone call and an email saying hey we got a spot for you if you want it and obviously I was quick to <laughs> respond to that um, accepting it and from there it was to find a way to get to Colorado as soon as possible so yeah I was reading uh, I think Andy wrote the article about how you were you were playing in a tournament when you saw an email and you, you had said I was checking my phone just for scores in the current tournament that you were in and this email pops up from USGA, I mean, one, wow, two, you're in the middle of something and you have to kind of keep your cool. I mean, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, it, w it was funny. Um, obviously, it was, it was the final round of a, a tournament, and I was, I, I think I was one back of the lead at that point, and I, I was really trying to focus on winning that golf tournament. But at the same time, I had just gotten an email that I was playing in the USAM. Um, I had my fiance caddying for me. Um, and there's a funny video of me, like, getting an email and being on a tee box, like, trying to, like, calm myself down. Um, and it, it's a funny story. I I hit a 7-iron, or it was a 7 or an 8-iron, like, 30 yards further than it should have gone because I had <laughs> so much adrenaline pumping. Um, but, yeah, it, it was awesome. And to have my – both my parents were there, my fiancé was there. It was an awesome experience. Um, there were a lot of hugs and enjoyment mid-round of a tournament. Um, so, yeah, it was cool. Wow, that is uh, that's a pretty special moment. And then you go and and you compete at the USAM. How how did it go? How was the experience? Yeah, the experience was awesome. Um, I wouldn't say I competed anywhere close to the highest of my ability, um, but re really the experience was awesome. Um, I had never played in a tournament anything like that before, um, at that high level of a golf course and against some of the players that I was playing against. Um, I, honestly, it was people that I grew up watching on TV and grew up 
wanting to be like so to compete against them was awesome. Um, and I, I think in the future I'll definitely be able to compete better. Yeah, what would you learn from that experience? Like you said, hopefully you're back there and competing again and, and maybe at a higher level, but what do you take away from experience one to help you down the road? Yeah, I mean, it was a complete new experience for me. Like I said earlier, competing against like PJ and August and players like that, um, it was a new level of that and understanding how my game compares to theirs. Um, and l like I said, it was it was very similar and in a similar situation. I got my butt whooped that week, <laughs> um, but it, you know it wasn't it wasn't far off. Um, and I know that my game was it, it's it's able to compete with players like that. And I mean the fact that I was even there with them, I mean speaks for itself. So. And you mentioned uh, your fiance. You guys are getting married in the in the near future. I know you have a you don't have a date picked out, but how has that been having that type of support system? Well you continue to try and get better and chase your dream. Yeah, I mean, having someone that you love so much and that supports you so much is awesome. Um, I mean, having the support from my parents has been awesome, but also having someone that I know I'll spend the rest of my life with right next to me through it has just been incredible. So, yeah. Is she a golfer? She is not. She actually plays lacrosse. Okay. Um, but she she tries to golf. She golfs sometimes with yeah. you, and she yeah. supports you. That's the main thing. Yeah. And we don't we don't have a wedding date picked out. I mean, how is that process? You're you're in school, you're golfing, you got a lot going on, and now you got a wedding to plan as well. Yeah, it's a uh, it's busy times. Um, she's been awesome with helping with the planning and um, kind of taking the lead on that for now. Um, and she knows I'm busy. I know she's busy. She's a college athlete as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's been it's been busy times. All right, so you guys just wrapped up fall. Um, you made it through all your tournaments up here at CMU and you'll get prepped for um, I think back match play and, and the A-10 Mac battle is coming up in the spring but how did the fall go for you up here at CMU? Yeah um, personally it, it went okay um, I had two top 10s and a top 25 um, which which is pretty good on paper um, obviously want to win and want to compete in every tournament um, kind of had a hiccup mid-season um, just two two pretty average tournaments um, but o overall, it was solid, and the team finished out on an absolute great note. Uh, we shot nine under par in the final round of our last tournament of the year, and I think we moved up four spots and finished third, um, which was our best finish as a program um, since we've come back. And, you know, that was an awesome way to end the fall and to look forward to the spring. So. Take us through what it's like, uh, you know, at a disadvantage up here. Obviously, the weather's going to turn. Um, I know you guys have the golf facility that you're working in. But from now until early February, when you have that MAC A-10 match play challenge, what are you doing to better your game of golf as you get prepared for the spring season? Yeah, I mean, it's only a disadvantage if you take it as a disadvantage. Um, I mean, we look at it as an, as an opportunity to work on the things we need to work on and to fine-tune our games and just work on the basics. Um, I mean, obviously, when there's snow on the ground, we're not able to go out and play golf, but at the same time, we can work on the things that are more important um, inside or on the putting green. Um, so, yeah, having the facility is awesome. Um, it's great for our program, and working out is a, a key part of our program. We work out three times a week about to start four um, at 6 a.m. So it's uh, early mornings, all off season, but um, it's enjoyable. And, you know, the team is great and we all work so hard. So, How do you like being part of the, the first couple of classes here and the rejuvenated golf program for the men's side? I mean, it had been, I think, nearly 40 years since this was a sport at Central Michigan. And now you're part of the first couple of teams to bring it back. Yeah, um, it's been a growing process, but at the same time, we've all been able to grow together. Um, it, it's obviously different all coming in at the same time because usually you come into a team and there's already 
there's already a team there and you're just joining in versus you know we all created our own team um, and came together um, so last year was definitely a learning experience but um, I think that it made us better uh, for the long run so okay I gotta know as a golfer do you prefer match play or stroke play better I like both um, I, I to be completely honest it doesn't matter if it's match play or stroke play you just want to win um, stroke play is always fun in the essence of if you're three down with three to play, you can make that up in one hole or in three holes, but in match play, um, it's kind of just hole by hole. And the nice thing about match play is you can make a five or a nine and you could win or lose the hole. Um, I mean, I've played a lot of match play and you can make double bogey and win a hole. Um, so that part of it's fun and cool. Um, but it, it, it is, it is always fun playing one V one against someone. Um, cause that's something we don't get to do a lot. So doesn't matter as long as you're playing golf, right? Yeah, exactly. Just competing. So what is the ultimate goal for you? Where, where do you hope to be or what goals do you hope to accomplish? Yeah. Um, I want to play on the PGA tour. Um, I mean, that's a goal of mine I've had for a long time. And, you know, I think throughout my golf career, I've gotten closer and closer to it. I mean, first it was just playing jv golf on the high school team and then it was playing juco and now it's playing division one golf and i mean i think the next step is playing professional golf and then the next step is playing on the pga tour and competing on the pga tour um i mean i think that's something that i've worked towards for a long time and that i'm still working towards um i, I know it's difficult and it'll be hard and a lot of people will say you know maybe you're not good enough but i mean i think i can do it and i think i have the work ethic so between where you are now and and trying to get to that ultimate goal what has to what are what are you working on or what has to improve yeah uh like i said i mean it's just consistency um i mean i've shown it. i can go out and shoot 65 on any day um it's just it has to be once or twice a tournament um and then again the bad rounds need to go from 74 75 to 71 70 so um yeah, I mean, it's just those little things throughout the round that make the biggest difference. Um, I, mean, I mean, a couple shots here and there make up nine, ten shots in a four-round four tournament. So, um, I mean, I think that's the big difference between the guys on tour and, you know, maybe us college players is that they're just saving the little shots and the little strokes here and there. Um, I mean, at, at, at a high level of golf, everyone is very similar. But at the same time, you go out and compete against one of them, and they might beat you by ten shots in a four-round tournament. Um, so yeah, golf is a massive mental game. You're out there typically by yourself, or maybe you have a caddy and if you make a bad shot, we all know how frustrating that is because you still got to finish the hole, finish the round and put together a good tournament. So how do you stay so mentally focused even when things maybe don't go your way? Yeah. Um, yeah, golf is very mentally straining, but I mean, I, I think a big thing is, you know, we all hit bad shots. We all we all make mistakes, whether it's mental or physical, but just being over it by the time you're hitting the next shot is huge. I mean, if you're still carrying baggage from a bad shot you hit 45 seconds ago, like your next shot isn't going to be as good as it could be. Um, so yeah, a big thing for me is just, you know, it, it's not, it, it's okay to be upset about a shot, but by the time you're hitting the next shot, you know, you got to be over it and you got to be focused on the future. So just not living in the past. Let's go to the other side of that. Let's say you're you're winning these tournaments and you're ahead and you have the thought of, hey, the field is behind me, they're chasing me, or the individual I'm battling with is trying to catch me. How do you stay focused on that front so you don't kind of overthink and you stay within yourself to 
maintain that strong finish and end up winning a tournament. Yeah, I mean, it, it's scary, but you kind of got to live to learn with Got to live, um, kind of just got to live with it. Um, I mean, if you're leading a golf tournament, every single person behind you is coming for you. Um, but that's just golf, and that's how you win golf tournaments is being better under the pressure. Um, and I think that's something that I, I know I can get better at, and I know that everyone can get better at. Um, but if you look at people like Tiger Woods and what he's done in his career, like he enjoyed being under the pressure, and he enjoyed people wanting to come beat him because he didn't let them. Um, and every time he took the lead, it was just extending it. Um, and I think that's a big thing when you when you have a lead or when you're competing for a golf tournament is once you have the lead, don't be content with where you're at. It's trying to build that lead so that if you do make a mistake, it's not as costly as letting the entire field back in. Maybe it is Tiger Woods, who you just mentioned, but who are some of the guys that you look up to and that you really enjoy watching play the game of golf? Yeah, uh, I just like – I like watching basically any professional um, – I mean, it's always fun to see who's playing well, but it's also always fun to see the guys who might be struggling week in and week out and how they're handling it. Um, I, I don't like watching players that get mad and chuck clubs and get really upset. Um, that's just not me. I like seeing the guys who maybe are having their best week but are just learning to take the positives from it um, and to be better next week. So. Is there a favorite major or a favorite tournament, as you said, the goal to be on the PGA Tour that you would absolutely love an opportunity to play or compete in? Yeah, I mean, obviously the the first step of playing on the PGA Tour is playing in your first PGA Tour event. Um, so I think that, that would be a huge step. But um, something I've always wanted to do is play in the Masters. Um, I mean, that is a huge goal and a huge opportunity if, if I earn it. Um, but, I mean, I have a picture of, Augusta National on my wall in my room and it's something I look at every single day um, and, that, and that's a huge goal of mine. Have you ever been down there to watch tournament or, or just seen the course at all? I have not. I've driven by the course before um, but jokingly I've always said the first time I go is when I'll be playing um, so hopefully that uh, hopefully that, that's soon. That would be the most special no doubt about yeah. it. Um, on top of golf obviously you, you're studying something here at central michigan so take us through your your education and what's going on uh in the classroom at cmu yeah i'm a business administration major um i transferred from grcc with just a general business associates degree um and i'll graduate here in uh may so um yeah uh that's about all um i've really enjoyed the business program and w when i was looking at central central has a very strong business program in michigan um, and th that was also a huge deciding factor of me coming here. Is there a, is there a fallback plan if you don't get your goals? As you mentioned, it is so competitive to, to try and compete at the PGA Tour, or is your mindset simply I'm going to focus on this goal and then I'll worry about that at a later time? Yeah, I think you hit it on the nail there. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say I have a job lined up for, you know, if professional golf doesn't work out, but, I mean, I also know that I'm getting my degree to have that if needed. Sure. Got to have uh, got to have something behind you just in case. Obviously, we're we're rooting for you um, to get to where you want to be. Now, as you mentioned, golf is a, a super strenuous in terms of mental game and you're locked in. You're doing it all the time. How do you kind of step away or, or what else do you like to do to, to take your mind off golf and focus on other things in life? Yeah. Um, I mean, when I'm not on the golf course as much as, you know, maybe I'd want to be on the golf course, you, you need a break once in a while. And whether that's hanging out with my fiance or family or friends or really doing anything besides golf, um, it can be very relaxing. So, 
And you said, uh, you told me before this, you're, you're big into religion. I'm sure that that's a huge aspect of your life as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I play for the Lord and, um, I love doing Bible. We do a Bible study with the team. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, you, you got to play for more than yourself and more than your teammates. So, um, I mean, being able to be able to, being able to play for the Lord, but also being able to learn about God and grow in our religions as a team and individuals is awesome. So. Do you feel like Central Michigan has given the opportunity to help you experience new things and kind of figure out and be who you are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I first came to Central, um, I started going to, at the time it was called AIA, which is Athletes in Action. Um, and it, it was a group of just athletes who, you know, wanted to be able to glorify God through their sport and um, just grow in their own faith. Um, and going to that every week and being able to learn what it's like for other people and to compare and um, grow together as a as a school um, and the religion was such a great experience and now that's transitioned into um, FCA which I'm very excited to start being able to go to now that we're back um, from our fall season um, so yeah I'm super excited for that. I feel like golfers have uh, great memories of the rounds or the shots that they've made. So I want to end it on this. Is there a shot in your career or maybe a hole-in-one in your career that you think, wow, that was a really cool moment that I'm never going to forget that shot? Yeah. Um, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably two. Okay. Um, maybe maybe three if we have time we have time man uh, give them to us uh one of them i made a hole in one and on a par four um wow when i was at grcc my coach at back at grcc always says it's the best shot he's ever seen on television or in person um it was this par four over this lake and i hit a three wood just right over the lake and it one bounce right in the hole um the entire team was there and we all went absolutely ballistic um so that's definitely one of them and then an albatross, right? Yes. I mean, that's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> probably, I, I hope it happens again, but <laughs> it probably will not happen again. <laughs> um, and then second one was when I, when I first started kind of competing in those summer events. I, I believe it was the next year after I just started. Um, so it would have been my senior year. Um, I made like a 45-foot putt in a playoff to extend. Um, and that was kind of a moment where – you know, it, it was a 1v1. I, it was match play, and I was in a playoff. And to make that putt under that pressure was it, it was it was really cool. Um, and then just one more was at the USAM qualifier. I, I knew I was inside the cut line with, um, I, I believe I had four holes. Yeah, four holes to play, and I, I made about a 10 to 12 foot par putt. Basically, that kept me in it. And e you know, even though I didn't win that playoff, it it allowed me to even be the first alternate. Um, and that was kind of a moment where I knew I knew what it meant and to pull it off was just so cool. That's got to give you so much confidence that you can, one, go back and pull out three shots right away. But the fact that you know in those tense situations you've been able to come through in the clutch. And obviously the game of golf is about being clutch and limiting the pressure as we talked about. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's definitely cool, and like like I said, it's always when when you're in the lead, you want to continue to extend it. And I wouldn't say that's something I've done crazy well, um, but I do know that I I can win, and I I have the ability to pull through. And it's not it's not something I don't have. All right. Well, we'll continue to look for those future great shots uh, from Ari Jackman. Thanks so much for your time. Best of luck the rest of the. Uh, 
the time here in the winter at CMU, and uh, good luck in the wedding as well, my man. Hope yeah. the planning goes well. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Well, I know we went a little long here with the interviews, but so much fun to talk to Nate Mason and Ari Jackman again. I was fascinated with Nate and all of the hours he and his student workers have to put in and what they're doing every single day to get ready for practice and how they're prepping for games. And he talked about the loops that they have for pregame walkthrough and going out there and stretching. And then they've obviously got all the uniforms and the equipment and then to hear him kind of compare it to a pit crew, right? Like you're in the middle of a football game. You can't afford to have your players that you need out on the field out because of equipment issues. So they're doing it as fast as they can. And the goal is 10 seconds, come and fix something and then uh, get it back in there. So they're, they're ready to go and get back out on the field. And then for Ari, I mean, so cool that he represented central Michigan at the USAM and um, has had the experience that he's had at CMU helping bring back the men's golf program. And you can hear the drive from him to continue to get better. And, you know, even though he's got a, a different type of swing, he feels very confident and is continuing to get more and more consistent. So excited to watch Ari continue as the spring season will be here before we know it. And then uh, obviously continue to see Nate Mason in his first year, him and the students provide all that they can for the uh, Central Michigan football team as they've got you know, a few games left to go in the 2023 season. That's going to run us out of time. Thanks so much for joining us and sticking through. Appreciate your support of Chatting Chippewas and Central Michigan in general. If you're around this weekend, come on out. Central Michigan Volleyball, they swept last weekend and uh, looking to do it again. They'll be home against Bowling Green on Friday, 6 o'clock. And then they are back home on Saturday as they take on Miami of Ohio at 4 o'clock. And if you want more than volleyball, on Sunday you can get a sneak peek of the men's and women's basketball teams. The women's team has got a scrimmage, uh, or an exhibition game rather, at 12 o'clock this Sunday. And then the men will have an exhibition at 4 o'clock, both inside McGurk Arena. So chances to come on inside McGurk as it starts to get a little chillier. Check out the volleyball and men's and women's basketball teams. In the meantime, hope you have a great week. Happy Halloween as we approach the last day already of October, getting closer and closer to the end of the year and those winter months. In the meantime, fire up chips. Have a great week. <laughs>